Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Calvary Life DFW's weekly podcast. We hope that these messages encourage and inspire you in your personal journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. So we are in a season of shifting. And so the church uh, is in a shift. And uh, me and my wife are in a season of shifting. Our family is in a season of shifting. And many of you are in a season of shifting, or the word, I like the word transition. I think the culture is trying to hijack that word. Transition has become a very popular word. There's a difference between perversion and transformation. There's a difference between perversion and transformation. The enemy tries to pervert you from the outside in, but God wants to transform you from the inside out. Right, So the devil tries to get things inside of you, but the Lord wants to work inside of you through his Holy Spirit, through his love, and transform you. Right, And so it's really important for us to reclaim that word transition. Right, The devil can't create anything but chaos. But as Pastor G said, we said last week, the Lord calls us to chaos. Right, He calls us to chaos. So even though he creates chaos, God has called us to chaos to bring order, bring peace, and bring his kingdom. Right? Amen? Amen? So the, enemy, the devil can't create anything, but God is the creator of everything, and he is creating a masterpiece in your life. He is creating a masterpiece in your life. We hear that all the time, but he needs one thing. Your participation. Amen. Your obedience. Right? There is no limit to what God can do in your life. I love that scripture verse um, out, of, out of Psalms that David says. He goes, Lord, make me neither rich nor poor, but give me the portion you've, given, you've allotted for me. Right? And there's no limit to what God can do in your life outside, inside of his will. Right? But it does take our participation. And that's where we get hung up, isn't it? Like sometimes we're not willful, willful participants. Anybody being honest in church this morning? Like, sometimes you got to drag me to church or drag me to prayer or drag me to worship. Like, sometimes I'm not a willing participant, right? And God is willing to wait what seems like forever for me to get ready until I'm surrendered. You're either being transformed or you're being conformed. And I want to I challenge you this morning that we all are in a state of transformation, Right, So it says in 2 Corinthians 4.16 that the outward man perishes, but the inward man is renewed day by day. So day by day, there is a work happening in you. There is a kingdom work happening in you. The Holy Spirit inside of you is doing something to make you more like Christ. Right? So that transformation process is happening all the time. It says that it's he that works in us to do and to will according to his good pleasure. It is he that works in us to do and to will. That means to want to do his good pleasure. Are you with me? That he, uh, Philippians 1.6, that he who began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. I love that because the Holy Spirit will not stop until you look like Christ. Right? Like you could throw the white flag in all you want. You could take a spiritual vacation. But when you get yourself right, the Lord is not going to stop until you look like Christ. Okay, we good? It says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things are becoming new. So we're in this place of always being transformed or transitioning from death to life, from dead works to, to works that are fruitful. 
Right? So the Lord is always working inside of us to change us, to make us more like him. The Lord does not want me to be a liability in the culture. He wants me to be an asset. He wants, to be, wants me to be a witness. He wants me to be a light. Right? Are you with me? So the Holy Spirit will not stop until you look like Christ in transitions. So we're all being transformed initially, internally. And I find that transitions that happen externally always happen, begin in us first before they happen externally. So God will always do something in you before he does something through you. A lot of us are just trying to do something for God instead of doing something with God. Are you with me? So he tries to transform you first and then transform through you afterwards. Someone say this is good. And so transitions can be in the natural or be in the spiritual. So me and my wife right now are getting ready to transition. We're making a major, major shift in our life. But transitions that, that happen in the natural happen in the spiritual first. And so transitions can be natural or spiritual. And I'm going to tell you this morning that if you want to walk with the Lord, if you want to have a fruitful, life-giving relationship with God, you've got to get used to transition. You've got to get used to transition. Transitions, even healthy ones, are hard. Can I get an amen? amen. Or is it just me? Transitions are hard. Like leaving what you know and you're comfortable with to go on a journey to something that you don't know and you're not comfortable with will take everything out of you. And that's the point. And that's the point. Right? And we naturally see transitions as bad, I think, because most of the time, we, whenever things happen or change or shift in our life, we always see them through the lens of loss. So a relationship ends. And rather than seeing the good thing that God might be doing, we're focused on what we lost. The job, we get laid off. And rather than focusing on the new journey and trusting God that we're in the center of his will or in the palm of his hand, we focus on the income that we're losing. Or friends that used to be good friends are no longer good friends. And instead of focusing on the potential new relationships that God wants to bring in our life, all we can focus on is what we've lost. Right? And so I think transition, for the most part, speaks a lot to our trust issues. Because when you're in God and he's transitioning you, He's always up to something. And so this morning, I want to give you some truths for transition. And Pastor G, he did a great job the last couple of weeks sort of setting the platform for transitions and talking about why we go through transitions. But I want to share with you this morning some truths about transition. Now, me and my wife, we've been through some transitions. We were 11 months married when we moved here with no kids. I was 30 years old. Now we got two kids, a house, a church, a job, and a partridge in a pear tree. And so we've been through a lot of transition, and now we're getting, we feel a stirring for the Lord getting ready to transition us again. And there's a tr one truth that I want you all need to grab a hold of, because we're all going to go through transitions, whether you're, you're, you're going to a new school, going to a new job, starting a new relationship, going into a new friendship, moving to a new state, whatever it is, we're always going to be in this flux of transitions. Parents, if you're here, you have to transition in the way that you deal with your kids, Right? What worked when they were six is not going to work when they were 10. What worked when they were three is not working now that they're six, right? Are you with me? Someone to kill me, please. And so the first thing, the first truth about transition 
is that transitions always bring about God's goodness. And we have to get that truth and settle it in our spirit that if God is transitioning us, it's about his goodness. Sometimes it's about his goodness that is going to be happening inside of us, not outside of us. Every transition that God does in your life, every transition that God does in your life, because there's some transitions that can be self-authored, if you know what I'm saying. We'll talk about that later. Every transition that God does in your life ultimately brings about his goodness in your life. Doesn't feel that way. Often doesn't look that way. Often it looks like it's just the opposite. But if God is authoring your transition, he is the author and the finisher of your faith. We know that all things work together for for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And so if we are rooted in the fact and rooted in the truth that any transition that we go through, that any change that we go through ultimately is going to lead to God's goodness, even if we make a mistake, thank God we serve a God who redeems our mistakes. Are you with me? He'll make you learn from it, he'll redeem it, and he'll move it, he'll move it behind you. That's the God that we serve. Isn't he awesome? Come on. Are you with me? See, the enemy wants you to dwell on the negative, on everything that might go wrong. He'll try to get you to remember everything that went wrong the last time you made a change. Or he'll try to convince you that you've made a mistake or that God won't come through. But God never asks you to asks you for something without giving you something better in return. God never says no to something unless he has a better yes down the road and so we've got to get we've got to learn to walk with God and surrender God and trust God in transition in transition I want to encourage you this morning if you get nothing else out of this message that God's intentions towards you are pure God's intentions towards you are pure And that is an important truth for us to grab a hold of because there's a lot of people in our life whose intentions for us are not pure. There's a lot of voices out there that are trying to actually steal from us, not give from us. But if you're rooted in the fact that God loves you and his intentions are pure towards you, you can go through the valley and still trust him because you know who's leading you. Are you with me? Transitions. Transitions. Now I want to look at a very popular, very famous transition. If you go in your Bibles, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 11. I'm going to summarize the end of basically the chapter, and then we're going to go into chapter, chapter 12, the beginning of chapter 12. But basically, Abraham and his brother, they took wives. This is Abram. Abram and his brother, it says um, in verse 29, Abram and Nahor took wives for themselves. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah, the daughter of uh, Haran, and the father of Milcah and Isaac, and Sarah was barren, had no child. Terah took Abraham's son, oh, actually back up to verse, uh, I lost myself, uh, verse uh, 27, it says, Terah became the father of Abram, Nora, and Haran, and Haran became the father of Lot, and Haran died in the presence of his father. So we got a picture here, you have Abraham, you have, you have Abraham, you have Haran, and you have Nahor. And Abraham's brother, Haran, dies. And he leaves his son without a father, fatherlessness. Right? 
And so Terah took Abram and his father and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, and they went into the land of the Chaldeans in order to enter the land of Canaan. They went as far as Haran, settled there, and the days of Terah were 205 years. Man, I want to live 205 years and still look like this. <laughs> verse 12, or chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord God said to Abram, I think it's really cool that God speaks to his people. One thing I've learned about God, that if you don't listen to him, he stops talking. That's a bad situation to be in. Because then the only voice that you can hear is yourself and other people. That's a very difficult place to be in. Now the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. And I will make your name great and you will be a blessing and, you will be, and I will bless those who bless you. Hey, yes. And I will curse those who curse you. That is pretty impressive too. And you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And so Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him. And Lot went with him. And Lot went with him. Are you with me? So this is pretty incredible, right? So Abraham speaks. So God speaks to Abraham. Abraham begins to go on a journey, and he says, Get thee away from your family and from your relatives and from everything that's familiar and go to a land that I will show you. Get thee to a land that I will show you. So this is really important because every shift in your life begins with a walking away. Every shift in your life begins with a walking away. Let's make this real practical, right? Leave that comfy job and go start that business that you've been talking about for years, right? Leave that relationship and be single for a while and just trust me. Oh, what did you say? Yeah, stop dating. You could actually stop dating. Let me handle it for a while. Or stop hanging out with those people who take from you and trust me for all your relationships. Leave that mentality of unbelief and criticism and just begin to believe again. Leave what's familiar and comfortable and journey into the unknown. It says in Proverbs to cease from your own wisdom. Leave that life of sin and repent and surrender to your life, to your life to Jesus. You know, salvation is the biggest shift that you will make in your life. As you move from death to life, right? As you move from death to life, as you're translated from death to life, from kingdom to kingdom. But I've noticed you can't walk into something new without walking away from something first. And that's all salvation is. It's walking away, walking away from a life of sin, repenting, and walking towards a life of God in Christ. Are you with me? And so he says, he says, get away from your family, get away from everything that's familiar, and begin to embrace a life, and I'll show you what that is down the road. I'll show you later. What? Like, I just want to imagine for a second what those conversations must have been like. What's, Abraham's leaving his family, his relatives, all those folks, and he said, hey, guys, hey, listen, so, hey, you know, um, so we're leaving. What? What do you mean you're leaving? What am I going to do now? Because when you go through transition, the natural thing that most people think about is how it's going to impact them. I'm going to say that on this side. When you go through transition, the first thing people usually think about is how it's going to impact them. Not, oh, what is the Lord doing in your life? This is amazing. No, it's, what, what am I losing? 
You're my people. I owe you. I own you. Right? So get away from your family. Get away from the people that you know, right? And then go someplace that I want you to show. So Abraham says, hey, listen, we're walking away. And, and the friends and family are like, okay, well, listen, what am I going to do now? You know, it's, it's so funny. Like when we left, um, when we left Connecticut to move to Texas, like nobody was a fan. Like when I say nobody, nobody was a fan except for a couple people who actually prayed, right? And I remember, like, my dad, I love my dad so much. You guys know my dad, Pastor Pete Sr. He's an amazing man. But he was so ticked off. Like, he was so mad. And this is what he said. Now, I was 11 months married. You're taking my grandkids away from me. I was like, Dad, I don't have kids yet. I don't even have kids yet. Like, what are you talking about? But he, all he could see, and it's so funny because later on he would, he would actually apologize for that mentality. But a lot of times we just focus on what we're losing, what we're losing, right? And a lot of times when you give your life to Christ and begin to walk this holy life, the first people to persecute you are the people you did dirt with. A lot of times people aren't upset with what you're doing. They're upset that what you're doing reminds them of what they're not doing. Or refuse to do? Oh, snap. This is the last one, guys. <laughs> it's the last one. When you begin to make changes and live holy, it puts pressure on the people closest to you. I've been kicked out of houses. I've been uninvited to parties. I've, I've gotten that no call, no show. Hey, meet you there. <laughs> no, just kidding. Right? Like, it's amazing how people change when you begin to make a change in your life. And that's what we're afraid of. And a lot of times it's the fear of man over the fear of God. And we conform our life to other people's expectations, not to the Lord's leadership in our life. Are you with me? And so just imagine how this went. Okay, so, hey, God, we're leaving. Oh, where are you going? This is crazy. Well, God told us. Okay, okay, Abram. Well, if God told you, fine, where are you going? I don't know. What? What do you mean you don't know? That's not God. That's not God. You're not, you're not hearing God. Because if you were hearing God, you know exactly what you're going. It would work out perfectly. You obviously are not hearing God. Right? It's amazing how we can project our experiences and our expectations on other people as God. Are you with me? Oh, man. This is good. This is good. It's very easy for us to do that, and oftentimes it's not what you're doing that really bothers people, but what you're doing reminds them of what they're not doing. And I'm going to tell you this morning, people's opinions are valuable, but God's voice is more valuable. And there is no substitute in your life for God's voice. Are you with me? Which brings me to my next truth. Are you ready? My next truth, that people do not need to understand your obedience. Beware of subscribing to a faith that makes sense to everybody else. Beware of subscribing to a faith that makes sense to everybody else. I don't need your permission to obey God. Oh, snap. Right? We've got to stop living life so it can be easily understood by the people around us. We've got to stop living life so it can be easily understood. Don't expect people who God isn't speaking to about you to understand you. But don't hold it against them. Because obeying God will put you in direct conflict with your need for people's approval. 
I'm going to say that again. Obeying God will put you in direct conflict with your need for people's approval. Stop looking for someone else's permission to obey God. You cannot obey God and live down to other people's expectations. Notice I said down to other people's expectations because although they think that you're living up to them, they're actually beneath God, so they're down. Are you with me? You know when I'm grabbing the mic like this that I'm starting to get serious. Are you with me? You know, nobody liked our decision to move down here, and it was very difficult, like 11 months married, and, and it, like 30 years for me, 25 for my wife in the same place to, to move and to go into the unknown. It was very difficult. It was very lonely. And we had a lot of people telling us, you'll be back. You'll be back. They'll fail. They'll fail. They'll be back. They're not going to make it. This isn't going to work out. And we had to make sure that we were listening to the one voice that was telling us that it was going to work out, which happened to be not of this world. Are you with me? I'm going to say it's really difficult to live, live a life for God in a culture that's living against God. And it takes a lot of courage, kids who are here, or whether you're in college or whether you're in high school, it takes a lot of courage to stand up and be an example and live a principled life around people who do anything but. Right? But all of the rewards of God, all the blessing of God is tied to your obedience and to your courage. Are you with me? Are you with me? Right? And the longer we were here, the longer we saw God's mercy. And the ones who, as I said this earlier, the ones who dotted our choices, and there were quite a few. There was quite a few. They ended up apologizing to us later. Right? Be careful what voices you give place to in your life. Be careful what voices you give place place to in your life, including your own. There is one God. There is one spirit. There is one kingdom. Oftentimes, we can subconsciously place other people's opinions and voices in the place of God. I'm telling you right now that a pastor is no substitute for the voice of God in your life. You cannot put that on God. When you go to the day of judgment, you talk to God and say, well, Pastor G said this. He goes, I said something else. Because the job of a pastor is to echo the voice of God in your life, not replace it. Are you with me? Transition. Transition. Number three, transition is meant to change people. Transition is meant to change people. Isaiah 43, 19, behold, I do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I love that we serve a God who does new things. I love new things. It's so funny, if you live in my house and we go clothes shopping, and I come back from Nordstrom Rack, first thing I'm doing is putting my new clothes on. It doesn't matter if we're in for the night, I'm going to wear that jacket for at least two hours. I'm always putting on new, I love wearing new clothes, new jeans, new shirts. I just love it. My wife's like, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? I'm just, I'm just trying it on. She goes, no, you're not. You're being dumb. I'm like, no. Listen, I'm just trying. I'm just, I'm like in the mirror. I'm like, I do a little flex to see how the, how the bicep looks and like all vein stuff, you know. But I, I love to put on new clothes, right? But I've noticed that God can't do a new thing with the old you. God can't do a new thing with the old you. God can't do a new thing with the old you. And so a lot of times transition is to prepare you for the new thing that God wants to do in your life. Do you know what? There's three stages to transition. There's three stages to a shift. First, there's the exit, which seems pretty simple, but you actually got to leave before you can move into the next thing. 
Like a lot of us, we try to hang on and move forward at the same time. Like we're dragging our spouse, dragging our boyfriend, dragging our girlfriend, dragging our friends. And there is no way to cling to the old and embrace the new. Are you with me? I got a friend of mine uh, who gets, I, I give him counsel at work all the time, and he's like, he's having some issues in his relationship, and he's like on fire for God one day, and then the next day he's just like trying to grab, he's just like complaining about this or trying to scheme and make, I'm like, listen, dude, when you worship God, you got to have both hands raised. Not like this. One hand up. You can't do that. You can't worship God with one hand in the air and one hand kind of plant, planting your plan B behind you, you know? Right? If you're going to worship God and walk with God, you're going to have to get rid of your plan B. God knows you have a plan B and a plan C. He knows. Stop scheming. Look at your neighbor. Tell them to stop scheming. Stop scheming. Are you with me? You can't do a new thing with the old you, and there's three stages to a transition. First, there's the exit. You got to leave before you can actually embrace the new thing. But the second stage is the wilderness. So you can't just go from exit to entrance. There's a wilderness first. And the purpose of the wilderness is to prepare you for the entrance. A lot of us won't make the exit because we don't see the entrance. But we got to have faith to leave and then cleave. Are you with me? Are you with me? Are you with me? I said that three times. Are you with me? The purpose of the wilderness is to prepare you even more for what God has. The wilderness is God's preparation, but often we see it as God's punishment. Right? The wilderness is meant to kill in you what will kill you if you don't. There's some things that you can't take into the next season. Are you with me? And it can only be reached if you fully leave. So God transitions you to change you. He transitions you to change you. He transitions you to change you. To change you. So God is trying to change me, but there's one other per person he's trying to change. He's trying to change you. God's trying to change me. But sometimes he also has to change the way you see me. He has to change the way other people see you. So God's not trying to change you, just trying to change you. He's trying to change everybody around you. Go in your Bible to Mark chapter 6, verse 1. This is good. Are you with me? Verse 1, and Jesus he went out from there and he came into his hometown and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue and many listeners were astonished. Where did this man get these things? What is this wisdom given to him? Why and why such miracles are these performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And the prophet, and Jesus said, the prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, except among his own, among, in his hometown, among his own relatives, in his own household. And he could do no miracle there except he laid his hands on a few people 
and he wondered at their unbelief. See, even Jesus had to make a transition because in his heart, he was always the son of God, but to everybody else, he was just the son of Joseph. And so Jesus had to transition from being the son of Joseph to other people to actually being the son of God. And I, hear that, I want to encourage you this morning because there's a lot of people who are not going to see you as a son or a daughter of God. They're just going to see you as just you. That's just you. Oh, that's just G. That's just Steve. That's just Carice. That's just Vicky. That's Dr. Steve. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> but there's people who want to see you and put you, oh, that's just PJ. PJ. That's just PJ. But if you're a son or a daughter of God, that word just doesn't belong in front of your name. Doesn't belong. And I find it interesting that Jesus couldn't do anything there. It wasn't that his power was limited by the dishonor he was experiencing. It was that other people refused to receive from what God wanted to do in his life. Are you with me? This is good. This is good. Jesus always knew he was the son of God, but to many people he was just Joseph's son. Obeying God fully compels you to be kingly among people who see you as a peasant. And there are some people who will refuse to see you as God sees you as you walk in your identity as a child because they'll try to remind you of who you're not. They'll try to remind you of who you're not. Try to take a risk for God and watch the voices come. Watch the voices come. Just Joseph. You're not just anything. You're a child of God. Are you with me? You're a child of God. I lost my place. There we go. Jesus never changed. He was kingly. The problem was that people were too familiar with him, and so they dismissed him. That's just Jesus. That's just Lewis. That's just PJ and Emily. They're nothing big. And even Jesus was limited by their dishonor to the point where it says he marveled at their unbelief. You know, you can't receive from someone who's dishonoring you. I'm sorry, you can't receive from someone who you're dishonoring. You're like, oh, that's not a big deal. But th that is a big deal if God wants to speak to you through somebody, but you refuse to receive to them because you're dishonoring them. We have the biggest culture of dishonor that I've ever seen in society. Like, all you have to do is turn on the media, and all you will hear is dishonor, 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 dishonor. We've made it so hard for people to be sons and daughters of God because we're too busy labeling them by their mistakes. Are you with me? Transition. You cannot receive from someone you're dishonoring. The quality of the message sometimes has nothing to do with the preacher and everything to do with the hearer. When dishonor is prevalent, transition is often imminent. Why? Because God won't keep you in a place of dishonor because he can't use you among dishonor. Are you with me? Many times when people don't want to receive the message or acknowledge the truth, you know what they do? They discredit the source. When they don't want to receive the message or acknowledge the truth, they discredit the source. That's what they did with Jesus. So they couldn't refute what Jesus was saying, so all they did was try to project on him pharisaical and religious laws. Are you with me? Right? And if they did it to Jesus, they'll do it to you. It's often the people closest to you who are the most dishonoring. It's often the ones who you did the most for who are the most disrespectful. It's the ones who see you at the worst 
who will minimize you at your best. Maybe God, God had Abraham leave his family and leave what had become familiar because he needed to get him away from the pressures and the influences that would keep him exactly where he was. It's the people who see you at your worst who will minimize you at your best. Jesus, I can't believe these people. I can't believe these people. See, transition teaches you about the dangers of dishonor, but at the same time teaches you through pain how to live a life of honor. Because there's not one person in this room that hasn't been dishonored or is dishonoring. We all have work to do in being an honoring people. But I've learned, I've learned that if I honor, I'm actually unlocking the destiny of heaven over somebody's life. Yeah. Yeah, this is good. Are you still with me? If they honor me, they will honor you. If they dishonor me, they will dishonor you. That was Jesus, right? Jesus was surprised. He was, he, was, he was marveling at their unbelief. But I want to encourage you this morning, there is no place for dishonor in your promise season. For where God is taking you, dishonor can't go. Are you with me? Don't let, some, don't let how some people see you keep you from the people who need you. Don't let how some people see you keep you from the people who need you. And that's the beauty of the gospel message the, the beauty of the gospel message is none of us are worthy. There's not one person here who is worthy, right? And God doesn't wait till you're perfect. He waits till you're available. Transition truth number four. Are you with me? I'm going to hurry up. Transition plunges you into the wilderness, which is the place of unknown, a place of delay, a place of refining, a place of death, a place of the miraculous, or a place where God reveals his faithfulness. I think it's amazing that when the Israelites were in the wilderness, God gave them two things. He gave them a cloud of fire by night, a fire by night, and a cloud by day. So at any point in their life, when they were going through, through their difficulty, an amazing thing is that there's a lot of distractions in the wilderness. Sometimes your needs become distractions. If you don't filter your needs through the filter of God's faithfulness, they'll distract you into compromise, right? But they kept their eyes. They had that pillar of cloud, the cloud by day, the fire by night. Are you with me? And at any time, all they had to do was look up. All they had to do was look up. And this is what Jesus said. God said, he goes, I'll give them a cloud by, cloud by day, fire by night. And the Bible says that it did not depart from them. So at any point, no matter what they were going through, all they had to do is look up. In the same way, Jesus says to us, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. It doesn't matter what you're going through, it doesn't matter what season you're in, at any time, all you have to do is just look up. Just look. Just look up. Are you with me? All right. I want to go quick. We cling to what's comfortable but transition threatens our sense of comfort and invites stress into our lives. I've learned this. Are you with me? That stress is not evil. Mismanaged stress is evil. Sometimes we, we treat stress as evil, but it's how we manage stress that makes us evil <laughs> sometimes. And all the parents said amen, right? Every area of stress is an opportunity to grow in grace and dependency. Are you with me? At any point, all the Israelites had to do was look up. Let me ask you a question. What are you looking at today? In your season of transition, what are you looking at? Are you looking at circumstances, people, your past? Are you looking at your needs? 
Are you looking at what you don't have? Are you looking at, at what didn't come through for you? But I want to encourage you today, lift up your eyes. Fix your gaze on the lover of your soul. Trust his faithfulness towards you. And don't let, I have this lion head in my room, my office, and every once in a while, I'll go up to my lion head and I'll just look it straight in the eyes. I'm a weird, even, I'm a weird dude. Like, if you have, if you're just learning, like, I'm, I'll look at that lion head to me, and, and to me, the lion head is Jesus. And when I'm looking at my lion head, all of a sudden, I fear less fearful, less afraid. I have less self-doubt because I could see myself in his eyes. If you can see yourself in, your, in his eyes, if you can see how he sees you, you won't be defined by how other people try to. Are you with me? No sickness, no fear, no death. That's how he sees us as a child of God. If I'm letting him define me, I won't be defined by somebody else. Transition truth number five. We're going to go quick. You guys all right? You all right? Transition truth number five. Transitions test you to compromise. Transitions test you to compromise. I think it's amazing if we go back to Genesis chapter 11 or chapter 12. That it says, God said to Abraham, go away from your country and away from your relatives and away from your father's house. And go to a land that I'll show you. And then it says in verse 4, and Lot went with him. Get away from your relatives and from your family and from what's familiar. And Lot went with him. Now, on face value, it was pretty endearing for Abraham to bring Lot with him. Right? On face value, Abraham did a lot for Lot, right? Lot lost his father. Abraham stepped in. He was taking care of him. That's a good thing. But even a good thing is bad when it causes you to disobey God. Even a good thing is bad when it causes you to disobey God. And God told him, leave your relatives behind. See, God is not looking for good things. He's looking for obedience. I'm a good person. God is not looking for your relative opinion of what's good. He created you for your obedience. You know, Pastor G said last week that God gives assignment before he gives vision because assignment requires obedience. Your vision requires, your vision gives you promise. You don't get a promise if you refuse to be obedient. Are you with me? There are some things and there are some people that were good in this season that you cannot bring into the next season. There are some relationships that were good now, but they're not going to be good later. Your pride might be serving you really well right now, but it's going to kill you in the next season. And so there are some things that we need to leave in the prior season. And God said, get away from your relatives. And it's amazing that if you read the scripture, you see that Lot caused nothing but problems for Abraham. He had to bail him out, rescue him, fight for him, hit lack of communication, communication issues, problems. All this kind of stuff was happening between Lot and Abraham, right? And it wasn't until Abraham said to Lot, listen, take whatever you want. I'll bless you. But we can't continue like this. And go to, um, go to, where is it, where is it, where is it, where is it, where is it? Genesis chapter 13, verse 14. And so Lot and Abraham and their people are getting into conflict again because Lot was never supposed to be there in the first place. 
right? And in verse 14, it says, And the Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had separated from him, God said to Abraham, Now lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land you see, I'll give it to you. So Abraham, so God told Abraham, get away, and I'll show you where to go. Abraham gets up, takes Lot, and walks. When he dealt with his compromise, God showed him the promise. When he dealt with his compromise, God showed him the promise. Sometimes God doesn't reveal the thing that you've been asking him for because you refuse to deal with your compromise. Are you with me? Are you with me? There are some habits that you can't go with you. There are some people that you just can't go with. There are some mentalities that you've got to crucify. Leave those things behind, right? There are some people that you just need to break up with. There are some people, some are close to you, that they learn how to manipulate and control you, and it's time to just move on. Move on. Are you with me? And when you stop compromising, God gives you what he promised. When you decide to obey fully, God gives you your full reward. Is there compromise in your life? This is an area that God has been dealing with me on. We can't take casually what God takes seriously. We can't take casually what God takes seriously. Do you know what the, that's, that's what the fear of the Lord is? The fear of the Lord is taking God seriously in a culture that takes God casually. Are you with me? Compromise is an area of your life that you refuse to give to God. We've all got them. We've all got them. Some of us refuse to let God be God in our finances. Some of us refuse to let God be God in our dating. Some of us refuse to let God be God in our calling. And what you're holding on to is keeping you from receiving what God has. But when you release your plans, release your ways, release your preferences, and extend your trust, God responds. God responds. God responds. You will walk in your promise when God has your full obedience. Are you with me? Are you with me? Transition truth number six, and we're going to close here. Transition reveals God's personal faithfulness to you. So Abraham's journey, and we know Abraham's amazing. He was the father of many nations. He's, he's, in fact, Abraham means the father of multitudes, right? But you know what Abraham was called? He's called the father of faith. He's called a lot of different things. He was called the friend of God. All the shifting, all the sifting, all the pruning, all the transition, all the things that God does in your life, all the things that we go through, the sole purpose is to bring us closer to God. Distance creates distortion, but proximity creates passion. And sometimes God does everything he can do just to get us closer to himself so he can be our friend. Abraham was a friend of God. What if the whole thing, the promised land, the Israelites, the the, the promised blessing, the father of our faith, what if the whole thing was to introduce intimacy to the body of Christ? 
God wants to be your friend. And he will take things from you. He will give things from you. He will transition you. He will change you. He will sift you. He will prune you until he has you because he wants you. And he knows that he is what you need. Intimate friendship with the Father. Are you with me? Transition. Come on, stand with me. We hope this message was impactful to you. If you would like to hear more, please remember to subscribe. For more information, you can visit our pages on both Facebook and Instagram. God bless you and have a great rest of the week.